Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Today, Mother Church celebrates the Feast of All Saints. The Scriptures tell us to rejoice with those who rejoice, and indeed there are none who rejoice greater than the saints in heaven. And so today our hearts, too, are lifted up in exultant joy, rejoicing in God, rejoicing in His blessings, rejoicing in His saints. When we think about the saints, Often the reality is we think about those who are canonized. That's our natural reaction when you think of saint. You think of saint, insert whoever. But today on this feast, we celebrate all of the saints. We celebrate those canonized saints who are the doctors of the church, the virgins of the church, the early church martyrs, the pastors, the holy men and women. We honor the tens of thousands who have been canonized officially by the church with a certainty that they are in heaven interceding for us before the face of God. But on this feast, we also celebrate those other saints, the numberless throng of people whose names are not known to us, but are known to God, the ordinary men and women of faith who for the last 2,000 years and countless others before them have sought to follow the command of God, to love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul, and with all their strength, and have received the reward of their labors. We honor the incredible ones, and we honor the ordinary. Again, sometimes the Lord provides the saints special graces. Many of the canonized ones have particular things that are marvels for us to read about. St. Christina, who could smell sin. St. Padre Pio, of course, who had the stigmata and numerous other gifts. St. Joseph of Cupertino, who when we did celebrate Mass, would fly, would levitate, so that we'd chain him to the floor so he couldn't get too far away. Some of these extraordinary things of the church, lives of the saints, are indeed extraordinary. They are out of the ordinary. 
The church sets these saints as models for us, examples for us, that the human heart, wholly consumed by God, is able to do incredible things, things far beyond what we might anticipate, not because they did it themselves, but because they allowed God to do it in them. They allowed the grace of Christ to come alive in a way that many souls simply don't. So as to know that, in the words of Scripture, with God, all things are possible. The human person can fly without wings. An individual is able to know the sins of another person. Thanks be to God, I don't have that gift. So many other things that are extraordinary gifts given to the church for particular reasons. But when we read about those things, we can forget the fact that those saints also had to take out the trash, clean their cell, and be obedient to their superiors. We forget the ordinary things of their daily life. That from time to time, Padre Pio, I'm sure, when eating his spaghetti, would get a little on his habit and have to clean up afterwards. They were ordinary people, set by the will of God to become extraordinary saints. With God, all things are possible. But remember also, again, that the ordinary path of Christian life is usually not colored by these things. Granted, I've only been here a week, but I've not met a parishioner yet who has the stigmata. Maybe someone does. Someone here may be able to read souls. I haven't heard about it yet. A large group of people, most of us, I think, are rather ordinary individuals. And this is not a bad thing. The ordinary means of Christian life is still a means by which we can be saved and become saints of God. To behold the same face of God as Teresa of Avila or John of the Cross. When our blessed Lord took on flesh, he came among us and for 30 years remained relatively quiet. We have a couple of accounts of him doing somewhat extraordinary things, preaching and teaching in the temple as a 12-year-old. But the vast majority of his early life was simply spent working the ordinary things of daily life being obedient to his parents, being busy about his labors, mindful of his study, faithful to God, faithful to the conviction of going regularly to the font of the Father's heart and to commune with him. And these are things that we can do too. In the ordinary stuff of our daily life, we can simply recognize that although these things are not things that save us in themselves, if we do them with love, they can be means by which Christ infuses our hearts, our souls with grace. And taking out the trash can be a thing that can help to get us to, save, to, to the, that saving grace that is salvation in heaven. Parents, you can remind your kids of that later. The ordinary things of life are things that, when united to Christ, have power. And those faithful men and women who have gone before us and knew that, enjoy the face of God today. 
to the extent that they were willing to give of themselves for the love of Christ. They have gained their reward. And what a reward it is. Again, all of these persons, whether ordinary or extraordinary saints, were people. The Blessed Mother being the exception, they all sinned. They all had to go to confession. They all needed the mercy of God. They were all tested and tempted. And they all had in the end to persevere and trust in God. Every last one. The path of holiness, although incredibly diverse according to every single individual, is ultimately the same. To become more and more like Christ by His grace, by allowing your life to be more and more imbued with His. To become saints. This is our lot. In the scriptures today, we are numbered 144,000. This is what St. John tells us in his revelation. 144,000 are marked. One has to wonder if only 144,000 are saved. It seems not. There were 12,000 or 12, yeah, 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes chosen. A reminder to us of the, the coming together of a, a perfection in a full crowd. Twelve tribes, twelve apostles, a thousand being the large number. These three coming together to form an immense throng of people. Countless individuals. Men and women of every tribe and tongue of every people and nation. Come to serve the Lord. To be saints. In our second reading today... St. John reminds us of a rather incredible thing that's couched in ordinary language. See what love the Father has bestowed upon us in calling us children of God. And I think four of the most powerful words in the gospel, and yet so we are. Yet so we are. Those words are the estimation, of the, it's the reality that St. John, the thing that preceded it, doesn't make sense. See what love the Father has bestowed upon us in calling us children of God. It's absurdity. It is madness that God has made us his creatures, ones who are so incredibly distant from him in our nature, first and foremost, but also in our sin, that he has created us, that he desires us for himself, and he has made us heirs of heavenly life. He has adopted us. He has brought us into the family of God, into the heart of the blessed Trinity. We can participate in the life of God here and now in a short way, in a small way, but then in eternity forever. It's madness. Insanity. None of us could ever have asked for such a thing. And yet this, this is what the Father and his love for us has done. He has made us his children. It's foolishness in the eyes of the world. Yet so we are. We are children of God. Children of our Heavenly Father. 
adopted brothers and sisters of Christ, heirs of heaven. Heaven is ours for the taking. We simply have to be willing to take it. When we think about heaven, it's hard for us to understand exactly what that means. Because the simple reality is everything that we understand falls short. The scriptures tell us that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it so much as dawned upon the, the mind of man what God has in store for those who love him. We can't even imagine it. The greatest thing that the mind can possibly fathom about the goodness of God and all that lies ahead of us is nothing in comparison to what it really is. It's like comparing St. Thomas Aquinas' his, his, his Summa Theologiae and this immense five-volume work of, of tremendous philosophical and theological writing, and then he accounts it as all straw in comparison to the experience of God himself. And we've been using his work for 800 years now for every seminary class. And to him, that in comparison to actually experiencing God was straw. It was nothing. It was something for the donkeys to walk on. It was nothing. The saints in heaven have an extraordinary blessing that they rejoice in today. The saints in heaven have joy in three particular ways. They have a joy that is not accompanied by pain. In this life, our joy is very often, if, on, if not always, accompanied by some sort of pain, some sort of suffering, some sort of, of falling away. We know Thanksgiving is just a few weeks away, and I know I'm not the only one in this church today who has ever eaten his fill joyfully in the Feast of Thanksgiving, only to realize later on, that was too much. The pain sets in after the joy. Any person who has ever gone on a retreat and had a profound experience of God knows that you go on a, on a retreat, you have this profound experience, you have a unique insight, you have a, a, a tangible experience of God, you have something that reaches into the depths of your soul. Much like Peter on, on, on Mount Tabor, whenever the transfiguration happens, Peter is delighted. Lord, let us build three tents and stay here. This is incredible. And then when the retreat ends, you go home. And there are the dishes and the clothes and the people you left behind that did not have the same experience you had, that don't share the same joy that you have. And the excitement of the retreat very easily can become a suffering that things can't stay that way. But in heaven, it is not so. In heaven, there is joy and then there is more joy. There is no pain. There is no suffering. There is no let up in heaven when it comes to the joy of God. Which leads us to the second point, that the joy in heaven continuously increases. Rather than to fade as it does here on this earth, it amplifies. We go and experience joy, and then more, and more, and more. The greatest of joys awaits, and it only increases, and it increases eternally. Eternity, another one of those things that we can't understand here. We are limited by time. 
When we speak of things, we speak of it as, as, as you know, past, present, or future. But in eternity, there is no such thing as time. It doesn't even exist, which doesn't make sense to us. But that's what eternity is. It, it, heaven is eternity beholding the face of God. When we think of eternity, we think of a long time, and then a long time after that, and then a long time after that, and then a long time after that, etc. right? But it's even far greater than that. If we fill this entire church with books, with plenty of words upon them, the first letter of the first book we will put down is nothing in comparison to time of the eternity of the reality of God. It's nothing. And again, all of these things are simply a reminder to us that, that, that heaven is something that we should thirst for. Because the greatest of things in this life that we're willing to, to sacrifice and to suffer for, heaven is infinitely greater than all of those things. And that is what the saints have today. Be they St. Teresa, St. Therese, or our grandma. If they are indeed in heaven, they are saints. And they have this joy, a joy that never experiences suffering, a joy that only increases, a joy that endures in eternity, perpetually beholding the face of God, the greatest of joys, in that place where there is no sadness, where there are no tears, there is peace. There is exaltation because it is God. As we celebrate this Feast of All Saints, we look to the saints as an encouragement to us to strive for heavenly joy. Elsewhere in the scriptures, our blessed Lord was asked by one of the disciples, Lord, will only a few be saved? It's a good question, huh? How many get in the gates? Is it 144,000? And the Lord doesn't give a number. It's an important thing to, to recognize in that passage. He doesn't give a number. If the Lord said, oh, yeah, there's plenty of people going to get in, it's going to be, yeah, the vast majority of y'all are going to get in. How easy it would be to slack off and to presume that we are in the number and need not press forward. But if the Lord said, oh, it's only going to be a few, a very small number will get in, how easy it would be to be discouraged and presume that we are not among that number and to give up hope, and to simply live our lives as if God weren't even here. The Lord didn't say either of those things. He said, strive to enter through the narrow gate. It doesn't matter how many get in if we don't get in. It doesn't matter to us. It doesn't matter to me how many people get into heaven if I don't make it myself. It's all of us not to be concerned with how many get in, not to be concerned with numeration, not to be concerned with any of those things. Strive. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. Strive with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is what Christ invites us to. The saints have shown us that it is possible, the extraordinary and the ordinary ones both. It is our task now to continue to increase the number of saints in heaven, to continue to glorify God by honoring him in our lives here, that we might be able to honor him in our lives there.
and there is certainty here. Heaven is ours for the taking. See what love God has bestowed upon us in calling us his children, and yet so we are.